Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. Hello, I'm Howie Silbiger. This is the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you being here. I'm happy to be here with you. The show is live. You could call in. Numbers to call 1 669 1292. That's 1 669 1292. Could get you in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. A few years ago, well, quite a few years ago, actually, I had the opportunity to read. The Turner Diaries by William Pierce. It's a piece of drivel that has been the center and driving force of white supremacy in the United States. In the book, Pierce calls for a race war, which will pit minorities against each other, forcing them to riot and battle each other on the streets. The idea was that if the minorities fight and kill each other, the only people left in the U.S. would be white people, and they would go and kill whatever minorities are left. America is playing out the Turner Diaries. The late William Pierce must be very proud. Last week, Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty of all charges against him by a jury of his peers. It was not a surprising verdict. The video evidence, the testimony of both the prosecution and defense witnesses, and the facts led to the only justifiable and correct verdict. The American left, however, have lost their collective minds over the Rittenhouse verdict. Much of the justice, much like the Justin, the Justice Kavanaugh trial and the Covington High School debacle, the left's mass media expressed opinions which not only lynched 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse before the trial, but ensured that his life would be a living hell after his acquittal. Rittenhouse's life will never go back to what it was. He will always in some minds be a white supremacist, as the President of the United States called him, hell-bent on causing destruction and killing people at random during a mostly peaceful protest against police brutality. What is even more amazing and quite despicable is that the left and their extremely loud propaganda machines, including the Washington Post, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC, and CNN, realizing that the shooting was justifiable and that the verdict was going to be an acquittal, started trotting out talking heads and editorials questioning the morality of Rittenhouse and some of <laughs> the morality of Rittenhouse's actions. And some have even tried to stoke a race war. Okay, let's let's be clear. There was no race aspect to the trial. Rittenhouse was in Kenosha to defend his family's business, to protect his family and offer first aid to those who need it. During a violent riot that was destroying the small town. He was not a vigilante. He was not a white supremacist. He did not even have a hero complex. He was a young teenage boy who wanted to protect his family and his family's interests. Morally, legally, when you're attacked and your life is in danger, you have the right to defend yourself. Although the Bible instructs that all life is holy and nobody should take the life of anyone else, there are a few exceptions. One of the major ones is that if you know somebody's coming to kill you, you have to kill your attacker first. 
Now, now, not only is that in the Bible, it's also common sense. If someone's coming at you with the intention to murder you, you have the right not only to defend yourself, but to neutralize the threat. One of the men that Rittenhouse shot was, was, was a man who declared loudly that he wanted to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, he declared it loudly while, while screaming racial epithets against black people, which was kind of weird since everybody involved in the case was white. He was shot while trying to wrestle a gun out of Rittenhouse's hand. Another man was shot while trying to bash in Rittenhouse's head with a skateboard. And uh, for those of you who say that skateboards can't kill, well, well, try to go get your head smashed in by one and then come back and talk to me. And the third one was pointing a gun straight at his face, a loaded weapon, by the way, straight at his face. Now, if this is, uh, is not justifiable as self-defense, I don't know what is. I can't think of any scenario that would be more justifiably self-defense than the, the scenario that Kyle Rittenhouse found himself in on that night. Now, the big question is, should Kyle of Rittenhouse have been there? No, you know, he shouldn't have been there. And he wouldn't have been there had the police not stepped down. Had anarchist radicals, criminals, and looters not decided to destroy a tiny town in Wisconsin over a police shooting that was also, by the way, justifiable. He would have not have been there, and the entire episode could have been prevented had legacy media like CNN, NBC, CBS... ABC, MSNBC, had they, uh, had they not been opportunist media and had some ambitious figures not wanted to make them more money and be more famous, had they not tried to start a race war, he would not have been there. Of course, when the media tries to start a race war, and which is exactly what they've been doing, stoking the divisions of race in the United States. Watch MSNBC any night of the week, and you will see that they are trying, they are attempting, very, 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 very badly want a race war. So, when the media is trying to create a race war, and the police are doing nothing to stop thugs that are running through the street and destroying people's property. How do you condemn a guy who shows up to protect? How do you condemn the guy who says, enough of this. The media is not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Somebody has to. How do you condemn that man? Well, the media did. The president did. The president called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. There is no evidence that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. The media called him a vigilante. But the only time Kyle Rittenhouse committed any violence was when he was attacked. Before he was attacked, he was helping people. Administering first aid to people who were injured. Giving out water bottles. He painted over graffiti on a high school. It's sickening. 
that the media is trying to fulfill the goals of white supremacy. It's sickening that the media is trying to create the scenario that William Pierce dreamt about when he wrote the Turner Diaries. It's sickening. And it's sickening that the average human, the average American, the average Canadian, the average person living in Europe, people living in a free world, people living in a democratic free world, people living in a world where diversity rules, it's sickening that people are sitting around quietly and accepting the media trying to do this. It's revolting, if you ask me. It makes me sick to my stomach. We're living in a land, we're living in a world which finds it acceptable to destroy the life of a 17-year-old child because they didn't agree with his politics. We're living in a world where, which totally ignores the fact that other people are committing violence. Other people are running around and killing people. Totally, totally ignoring that fact. Case in point. The terror attack in Jerusalem. There was a terror attack in Jerusalem yesterday. Did you know about it? Well, if you didn't watch social media and you didn't check out Israeli newspapers, you probably never heard about it. Why? Why did you not hear about a terror attack that happened in the in the Holy Land? Why was that not front page news everywhere? An innocent man was killed, 30 people were injured, taken out by an extremist, by a radical, by a terrorist, an Islamic terrorist who stood up in the middle of a market and opened fire on innocent people who were just walking by. Why was that not in the news? Why did nobody care that an Arab killed Jews? It's a question that haunts me. It's, it's a question that I ask a lot. It's, it's a question that really bothers me. Why does nobody care when the Jews are killed? But when Carl Rittenhouse shoots a rapist, a, a, a wife beater, and a thief, that's front page news, for months and months and months. Who decides the importance of life? Who decides whose life is more important to talk about? It seems to me, and I may be wrong on this, but it seems to me that Jewish life tends to be cheap in the world. The world doesn't tend to care much about Jewish life. Now, I could be wrong, and you could correct me if you want. Number to call, one 669 1292 But that's what it seems to me. It seems to me that, that there isn't much care for Jewish life. There isn't much care when Jews are killed, when Jews are murdered. Nobody seems to care. And, and I, I'm not sure why that is. And maybe someone could explain to me why 
nobody cares when the Jews are killed. But when a, when a child rapist is, is killed, it's front page news splattered all over the place, live streamed trials. I don't know. The uh, son of the murderer of Jews, the, the, guy who, uh, the guy who killed Jews, his son, posted up on Facebook how proud he was of his martyred father. So this is a culture of death that has been, that has been raised there for generations. A culture of death, a culture of murderers. And I know some people are going to say, Howie, how the heck could you generalize like that? And you can't call three million people murderers. I don't see mass protests about the murder of these Jews, the innocent Jewish people, about the shooting and the murder of one innocent Jewish man yesterday. I don't see mass protests anywhere. Jews aren't protesting. Arabs aren't protesting. Nobody's protesting because nobody cares. And once we come to the realization that if a black man is shot by the police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a city that no one's ever heard of before, and that provokes riots across the United States, If a white man shoots another white man at that riot, or one of those riots, that provokes wall-to-wall media coverage. Interviews with the 17-year-old after he's acquitted. Thousands and thousands of hours of analysis and opinions and whatever. when Jews are mowed down in a marketplace by an Arab extremist. An Arab terrorist. By an Arab Jew killer. Nobody seems to care. Doesn't even make the newspaper. Doesn't make the local news. It's... It's shocking to me that Jews aren't in the streets protesting and complaining. It's shocking to me that Jewish life is so cheap. It's always been that cheap. Shocking to me that the world could accept that there are groups of people out there who still want to murder Jews less than a hundred years after the Holocaust. It's shocking to me that the Jewish community, less than a hundred years after the Holocaust, is still living with that guilt syndrome. Uh, Something I've been discussing for years, I, I don't talk about it often, but the Holocaust guilt syndrome, it's survivor's guilt. Jews are still suffering from that survivor's guilt, And allowing themselves to be debased and demoralized and destroyed. Because they don't want to be like the Nazis. It's shocking. It's revolting. It's disgusting to me. But here we are. Here we are. We're living in this world. where Jewish life means nothing. 
it's it's amazing so what do we do how do you move forward from this how do you, how do you continue when you realize that your existence is the bane of somebody else's existence how do you continue when you know that there are people out there who want to murder you how do you go on what do you do how do you find a will to to be successful to to work hard to to try to live your life as morally following the rules of god how how do you go on how do you do it question I've been asking for a long time years ago somebody once somebody said to me Howie I don't care much about Judaism they said to me and I said why why don't you care about Judaism and and the guy said to me listen I grew up as an Orthodox Jew and I realized growing up as an Orthodox Jew I realized that nobody cares that even people in the Orthodoxy don't care that nobody cares says, if nobody cares, then why am I bothering? The question bothered me for a long time, so I went to speak to a rabbi, and I, and I said to the rabbi, I said, if we're all going to die, and everybody wants us dead anyway, wh- why do we bother? What's, what's the point? The rabbi answered me <laughs> three hours. It took three hours of his time to answer the question. And let, let me give it to you in, in a nutshell, because I, I'm not going to give it to you in three hours, but let me give it to you in a nutshell. The answer was quite simple. He says, we should care because we are responsible for our own actions. We're not responsible for the actions of anyone else. We're not responsible for the person who wants to kill us. We're not responsible for the person who wants to defend us. We are responsible for our own actions. And because we are responsible for our own actions, everything we do matters. And if we work hard and we raise our families and we raise our families morally to love each other, to love their fellow man, to follow the rules, then they'll raise their families to do the same. And if every single one of us takes that responsibility, then it doesn't matter what the Jew haters think. It doesn't matter what they want to do. It doesn't matter that they want to destroy us. we believe in ourselves and we believe in what we're doing and we don't just do it because it's rote we don't just do it because that's what our ancestors did and we don't just do it because but we do it because it's right if we do it because it's right then we've won then we've beaten the Jew hater I've always taken the stand that we were the victors of the Holocaust. We weren't the victims. In fact, I take umbrage. I take take offense when someone says we were victims of the Holocaust. We were not victims of the Holocaust. We were not victims. Some of us died in the Holocaust. We were murdered. It was a mass murder of the Jewish people. But Judaism and the Jewish people were not victims. We were victors. We were victors. Yes, there were some people who died. Yes, they were victims. 
The ones who are dead, we're victims. The rest of us aren't victims. We're victors. We won. We're still here. And we will be here for a long time to come. We are here. We're not going anywhere. Much to the chagrin of the Jew hater, we're not going anywhere. We're here. We won. We're victory. I was always opposed to the way that Holocaust museums depicted Jews before and after the Holocaust. I always hated going into the Holocaust Museum and seeing uh, pictures or videos of tractors pushing Jewish bodies into graves. Not because I don't think people should know about the uh, about, about, about Jews who, who were killed and how they were disposed of. I, I think it's important that we understand what happened during the Holocaust. But it bothered me because it never depicted the Jews as the winners of the Holocaust. It never depicted the Jews as the people who, 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 who survived it against all odds. There was no way for the Jewish people to survive Hitler's killing machine. There was no way to survive the murder factories, yet Jews walked out. And we never gave ourselves credit for that. We never said, hey, congratulations to the Jews who survived the Holocaust. That never happened. And because that never happened, because we never ever gave ourselves the credit The rest of the world doesn't respect us. The rest of the world sees us as losers, as victims, as fodder for the prey. Such a horrible position to be in, by the way. A position where everyone looks at you like a loser. Everyone looks at you like you've, that you've never accomplished anything, that you never won anything. What a horrible experience. What a horrible way to live. Especially when it's not true. Naturally, everybody wants to remember, everyone wants to be remembered with a legacy. Naturally. I I don't think there's anybody who doesn't want to be remembered uh, with a legacy. At the end of the day, what's the legacy? Where do you come up winning when everyone thinks you're a loser? Where do you come up winning where everyone thinks that you've lost. How do you win? How do you, how, do you, how do you win? How do you turn it around? How do you say, no, we're not losers, we're winners? So you, you, could, you could turn it around by becoming religious and, and following God's commandments. You could turn it around by, by, by pushing Judaism and being a proud Jew. Is that really winning? Is that, is that really showing that we won? Is that really expressing that we won? You could turn around by moving to Israel and being part of the Jewish state, the rebirth of, of the Jewish nation. But even that, even that, the state of Israel is always under attack. There, there, are always, there are always somebody who wants to destroy the state of Israel. Jews are being killed there almost on a daily basis. Is that really a win? So how do you win? 
how do you turn the frown upside down? How do you, how do you make how do you make yourself believe that you're part of something that's greater, a greater good, a greater greater interpretation of something, a greater way to live? I wish I had the answers. I don't have the answers for you. I don't know. I'm asking the questions. I don't know the answers. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two with the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. How do you win? I know when it, when you play sports, it's easy. You you count the amount of goals, runs, points, whatever whatever method of counting you use in the game. You count it up, and uh, the one who has the most amount of points wins. The world doesn't necessarily work like that. That's not how it works when it comes to winning in in politics, winning in life. So, so terrible. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I was supposed to be on last week. Let me tell you what happened. I um I was down in the studio. I was in, I was in my studio, the studio right here, this one here. And um, and I went and I uh, and I put in my earpiece, and and so I I have an earpiece. Uh, those of you watching on on social media see me, uh, and I'm I'm wearing a, a headset. I'm wearing I'm wearing a pair of headphones. Um, I have an earpiece that I usually wear when I do the show. Uh, it, it looks like this. Uh, those of you watching could see it. This is the earpiece, and uh, and and the small little tab at the end of the earpiece. This small little tab over here, it. it it uh, it comes off the it comes off the wire, so this little tab here goes into my ear, and this is how I hear uh, what's going on on the show. And I c- I could hear you calling when you call in. It's a tiny little tab. It's about uh, it's about an inch long, and uh, and a half an inch wide. It's tiny, uh, and that that goes into my ear. It's attached to the wire. It's attached to the wire, which feeds the audio from the soundboard to my ear, which allows me to hear the show. Well, I, I pushed this into my ear last week to do the show, and um, and the wire came out. So so the wire popped out of the out of the little sound piece, and this little piece here got stuck in my ear. And uh, I reached in to try to pull it out, but you see the way it's designed is it has these little flaps at the end, and when it goes into your ear, the flaps open like that, and 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 your ear and and it seals into your ear, so it becomes airtight. It becomes uh, airtight and becomes silent, so um, so it's noise canceling. And um, and I reached up to pull it out of my ear, and I couldn't get it out of my ear. It was stuck in my ear. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't pull it out. So I got a pair of tweezers and I tried to tweeze it out, and that didn't really work all that well. And I, I tried many different ways to get it out of my ear. And the more I tried to pull it out of my ear, the deeper it went into my ear. And eventually was pushed right up against my, right up against my eardrum. And I know, I know it sounds weird. I had the earpiece pushed right up against my eardrum. I felt the pressure on my eardrum, and uh, I was getting ready to go to the hospital to have them remove it. When um, when I managed to grasp it with the um, with the tweezers, and yank it out of my ear, I got it out. All right. So now it was out of my ear, but my eardrum was 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 damaged there was something wrong with my eardrum i i, I heard a little hum and uh 
and and then there was there was there was pain in the ear. And not only was there pain in the ear, but uh, there, there was a throbbing on the ear, uh, the eardrum. It felt like it was swollen. Now, and I couldn't hear out of it. I stopped being able to hear out of it. So I was deaf in one ear, and it was hurting. And it forced me to cancel last week's show, both the Howie Silberger show and Political Hitman. And uh, it took it took almost two weeks for it to heal. And uh, as you see, I'm wearing a pair of headphones rather than uh, rather than the earpiece uh, tonight. And and the reason for that is that uh, I don't want to take the chance of putting that earpiece back in my ear. I've ordered a new one, which was uh, which is a little bigger in size, and I'm hoping that uh, that one will work a little better in my ear, so it doesn't get caught. But uh, thank you all for sending me the messages, uh, wishing me uh, wishing me well, wishing me a speedy recovery. I just put up on the uh, on on the Facebook sites that the shows would not air because of an injury. I didn't specify what the injury was. This is the first time I've told anybody what the injury was. Uh, I didn't specify what the injury was, but um, really, if I can't hear, it's very difficult for me to do the show. So I um, I just didn't I I didn't do the show last week. All right, so I'm going to take a little break, uh, just a couple of seconds, and uh, we'll t- we'll continue right after this. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. You could feel free to call in. The numbers to call, 1-877-669-1292. It's 1-877-669-1292. You're listening to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. Numbers to call, 1-877-669-1292. That's the number to call, 1-877-669-1292 to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. So there was an election in in Quebec, Quebec, Canada, just uh, just a couple of days ago, or maybe a week ago. And uh, I didn't really pay much attention to the people running. It was a citywide election. It was a municipal election. And I really didn't pay much attention to who was running or what their platforms were. Uh, I usually pay a lot more attention than I did to this election. The reason I didn't pay much attention to this, and I'll be honest, I did not go and vote. And I know that's shirking my civic responsibility. It makes me kind of a hypocrite because I get on here all the time and I scream that you should go vote, that we live in a country that's democratic, that gives us the right to vote. And when we don't exercise that right, we are violating um, we are violating our, 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 our God-given right to, uh, to have an elected government. We were lucky enough to be born in a country that allows us to vote and choosing not to is, is kind of insulting to the people who are born in countries where they're not allowed to vote. I know I've said this a million times, but I did not vote in the last election. And uh, the reason I didn't vote, there, there, were, there were a multitude of reasons I didn't vote. It's not because I couldn't get to a voting station. The voting station was actually, literally, next door to my house. I could have walked there. I could have jumped out my window and landed on it. That's how close it was to where I live. I did not go and vote because I did not feel that there was anybody I could vote for. So I live in the city of Montreal. The city of Montreal had uh, had two candidates Two, two legitimate candidates, two, 
Two candidates that had any chance of winning, running against each other. And it was the same two candidates as the last election that were running against each other. You had Valerie Plant, the incumbent mayor, running against the former mayor, um, the former mayor. I, I hate his name. It's Denny Cordaire. And, and I, I just don't like Denny Cordaire. I don't like his name. I don't like him. Uh, but I don't like Valerie Plant either. And that, that was really my issue. The two people running, I, I, had, I had extreme problems with. Valerie Plant is, a, is an extreme environmentalist and, uh, and has decided that cars are evil and has worked very hard to, to eliminate cars in the city of Montreal. It's made it very difficult for drivers in the city of Montreal. And Denis Cordaire, well, I think he was a decent mayor when he was mayor, and I think that, um, that most of what he did was for the better of Montreal, sold out the English community when he removed a candidate who said that he didn't recognize Quebec as a, as a nation. Now, last time I checked, and uh, it's, been, it's been about seven months or eight months since I checked, but last time I checked, Quebec was still a part of Canada, and Canada was the nation, not Quebec. That was the last time I checked. Now, I might be wrong, and you could correct me, by the way, one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two, if I am. I might be wrong, but I, I don't believe I am. I believe that, uh, that Canada is the nation and Quebec is a province within the nation of Canada. Now, calling a Quebec a nation and insisting that Quebec is a nation is living into the delusion of, uh, of, of people. It's, it's living into people's delusion. This delusional aspect that Quebecers, that, that French Quebecers are far superior to anybody else living in the province of Quebec. Uh, it's 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 kind of it's kind of funny when you think about it. It's kind of it's kind of strange when you think about it, because if you know anything about Quebec and Canadian history, you know that France were the losers and Britain was the winners, and then Britain were the losers and France was the winners, and then everybody just went independent. So 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 you know there were no real winners or losers in in the war uh, in the war for for Confederacy. There are no winners or losers. That the um, that the 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 British were actually the rulers, and they allowed the French to keep their language in Quebec. So so if this is all a war over language, what a ridiculous thing to be fighting over. If it's a war over culture, it's a ridiculous thing to be fighting over. I, I know families that come from many different countries. And their cultures are very important to them. And you know what they do? They teach their children how important their cultures are. They teach their children their language from the old country. They teach the children the customs of, of their people. They send their children to specialized schools which teach their children to live in the lifestyle of the people that they, they are. That's what people who care about their culture do. They don't legislate it, force it down people's throats. It's not what, that's not what, that's not how you, not how you teach people to love a culture. You don't punish your own people. The majority of people who want to go to English schools in Quebec are French. 
Not immigrant French, French-Canadian French. They're not allowed to go because their government punished them by passing a law which states that if you didn't go to an English school or your parents didn't go to an English school, you can't go to an English school. That doesn't punish the English people. It punishes the French people. In fact, all the laws that were passed by the Quebec government concerning language punish the French people more than punish the English people. Think about it. English people are the only ones complaining, but think about who's being punished. World business is done in English. If you're a unilingual French, even people in France aren't unilingual French, but if you're a unilingual French because you grew up in rural Quebec or you grew up in, uh, in towns of Quebec where, or in areas of Montreal or areas of Quebec where not a word of English is spoken, you have excluded yourself from world business. You have excluded yourselves from international jobs. You have excluded yourselves from, from, from selling around the world. You can't communicate around the world unless you have English. If you don't speak a word of English, you are, um, you, are, you are at a serious disadvantage. And if you are living in a country which ha- which, where you have the opportunity to learn English and your government is stopping you from doing it, then you're being punished by your government. I could live my entire life and never have to utter a word of French. I live in Montreal. I could live my entire life and not have to utter a word of French. I know that bothers some French Canadians, including the government. It bothers them a lot that I could live my entire life and not speak a word of French. I, I speak plenty of French, by the way, during, during the course of my day. But, but I could live my entire day and not speak a word of French. That really, really bothers some people. And I, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why. What, what is the difference? Who cares? I, I could work. I could live. I could, I could roam the world and speak to everybody in the world. And everybody will understand me. Everybody will be able to answer me if I speak English. So who cares? And, uh, and... And if it's culture, if it's all about culture and preserving a culture, by gosh, teach your children how important your culture is. Look at Chinese. Look at the Chinese. They, they teach their children Chinese. Look at the Jews. They teach their children Hebrew. Look at, look at the Italians. They teach their children Italian. If it's important to you, you teach your children. If it's not that important to you, then the culture disappears. And you become part of the melting pot, just like the United States. The entire United States has become a melting pot. And it's a melting pot because people didn't care about their cultures. They cared more about being American than they cared about conserving, uh, preserving their culture. Forcing people to learn a language. Forcing people to work in a language. Forcing stores to, to post signs in a language. It is ridiculous. It's been ridiculous since it started and continues to be ridiculous. Having language police running around uh, measuring the, the height of leather, letters on an outdoor sign. Uh, how ludicrous. Filing complaints against restaurants because they use the word pasta. How insane. And the more crazy it gets, the crazier the governments get. There seems to be no embarrassment about the insanity of the situation. No embarrassment at all. 
And you know, that's probably what the scary part about this whole thing is, that uh, nobody cares and nobody's embarrassed by this. I, I, I couldn't care less. I mean, you know, if the French, if the government of Quebec wants to do what they do, it doesn't really bother me all that much. But when you think about, you think about the image that the world has of Quebec, the image that they have of, of these crazy people running around and screaming about language and legislating people that they can't go to English schools and they can't go to, I mean, just the fact that the schools are linguistically based. Here's an idea for the French in Quebec. And I don't understand why this wasn't done at the beginning and this should always have been done. We want to preserve French language. I understand that. Fine. You want to legislate to preserve the French language? Fine, that's okay. I mean, it's dumb, but it's okay. There's only one way you should do it. I mean, French doesn't have to be supreme. You want your kids to understand that French is the language of Quebec. No problem. But English is the language of the world. So why are schools not bilingual? Why aren't we teaching our kids both languages equally? English and French. And have a fully bilingual province. That would solve the issue of uh, French culture. It would solve the issue of English minority rights. Everybody would be both. And we could live in harmony together. In a utopian world of Quebec, of Quebecistan. Why, why can't we do this? What could be the problem? Why does we have to pick one against the other? Why can't we live in harmony? Like ebony and ivory. They come together in perfect harmony. Side by side on the piano keyboard... Oh, Lord, why can't we? To quote a song. Yes, yes, it's ridiculous, I know. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I want to thank you for joining me. I will be back again at midnight. That's right, just at midnight, just about an hour. I will be back right here on the True Talk Radio Network, and we will uh, we'll have political hitman. We'll, we'll join up with Israel. We'll have political hitman where I'll talk about a lot of different issues, different issues than I talked about here on this show. And uh, we'll discuss um, we'll a whole lot of things on political hitman. I want to invite you to uh, to tune in to truetalkradio.com. It is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week station. We play all sorts of interesting shows, including Passion by Lori Batito, Inside the Vault by Sheldon Eric Freed, who, by the way, I know I know some of you have asked the last couple of shows. We haven't had Sheldon on. Uh, Sheldon is taking a little break from the show. He'll be back eventually. Uh, right now, he is uh, focusing on um, uh, on some personal things that uh, that that keeps him away from the show. So uh, we wish Sheldon the best, and we hope that uh, we hope that he rejoins us uh, sometime soon. Uh, so Sheldon Sheldon won't be back for for a while, but uh, we'll 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 keep tabs on him, and uh, and he'll be, he'll be back eventually. Uh, I want to thank Sheldon, by the way, for the last seven years or eight years or nine years, whatever it was, uh, of service to the show. He's been very loyal and very dedicated and, and and on the show week after week after week. I want to thank him for that. And I wish him the best in everything he's doing. And uh, I hope and pray that Sheldon one day comes back to the Howie Silver Show. Uh, you can always hear Sheldon, by the way, on Inside the Vault. It airs every single day. Well, new shows are on Monday, but every day is a rerun. Every day after Monday is a rerun. 
Uh, you can hear them at 32911 right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Uh, just download the app, by the way, from your favorite app store, the True Talk Radio Network app. Uh, if, you know, Look it up, download it from the app store, it's there. Uh, I want to thank a couple of other people. There, there are a few people behind the scenes who, who do a lot to help the show go on. Uh, the voice that you hear when I play my liners is a guy named Mark Pezzolato. Mark Pezzolato uh, is the owner of Pezmosis Music Studios in Aurora, uh, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. He, uh, Mark has been doing the liners for True Talk Radio and for, uh, for the Howie Silberger Show for a good, good 20 years. Uh, and I want to thank Mark for that. Uh, Mark is a dedicated performer. He is a very, very busy music producer. And uh, and anytime I call him up and say, Mark, I need a liner for this, or Mark, I need a liner for that, or Mark, I need some uh, original music for, for this show or for that show, Mark is uh, more than happy to oblige. So I, I appreciate everything Mark Pezzolato does, and uh, and um, I thank him. And I wish him a uh, congratulations on his recent marriage. Uh, so, Mark, uh, thank you so much for, for doing that. Mark David, I want to thank Mark David. Mark David had been part of the show for maybe 15 years. And uh, and he's taking a little time off. He will eventually be back too. See, that's what happens. People people come onto the show. They t- they spend uh, years on the show. We we don't turn over we don't turn over our cast very often. Uh, people who are on the show they join the show and they stay on the show for multiple years, decades actually. Uh, Mark uh, Mark got a very involved job and he has not been able to be on the show for a while. I'm hoping that we can work something out where Mark could come back. Uh, I'm working on it. He's working on it. We're trying to figure it out. Uh, when we when we do figure it out, Mark will be back. Uh, but I want to thank Mark for everything he did on the show. Mark was on the show for about 15 years, and uh, and that's dedication and that's 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 worthy of a public thank you. So I want to thank Mark Pezzolato for everything he's done. And of course, I invite you to listen to the Howie Silbick Show every Tuesday night at around 10 o'clock. And I invite you live, uh, live on, uh, on on all social media. Uh, the show airs again on True Talk Radio, on the uh, on the station on the live stream. It airs again on True Talk Radio all week, so you could uh, tune in, check the schedule at truetalkradio.com. I invite you to like us on Facebook. Facebook is uh, is the place where you'll find out if the show's on or off. You don't have to send me a message; just look on Facebook, and it's always advertised there. And of course. Of course, I invite you to, once again, download the app, uh, the, True Talk Net, the True Talk Radio Network app, from your favorite i or, uh, or Android store. Until uh, next week, I bid you, uh, well, until midnight, actually. I'll be back at midnight for Political Hitman. But uh, the Howie Silver Show signs off now until next week. I bid you a nice week. I bid you a good week. And I, uh, I bid you a healthy and happy week. I'm Howie Silver. It's the Howie Silver Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network.